Welcome to Nightmares and Grief, a place to explore and celebrate the darkness. Each episode, I'll read stories written by me, Derek Heisey. Today's episode features guest talent Ace Michelle and VGC. Warning. This story contains graphic depictions of sexual assault, which may upset some. Listener discretion is strongly advised before choosing to enjoy today's show. Now, settle in, check under the bed, and pour a drink for the skeletons in your closet. It's time to start. Cold. He decided to do it Friday, after the homecoming dance. He would go to the party at the sweet twins' house and collect the others, then leave quietly. Either no one would notice, or they would assume he had taken some pretty young thing, drunk, to the empty master bedroom belonging to the now out-of-town Mr. and Mrs. Sweet. He hoped it was the former. There would be fewer problems with Tasha that way, He wouldn't have to lie to the stupid cow about how she was the only girl for him and that they would be together forever. The lies got tiresome to tell. He wanted to enjoy this. He came to the house on Cornwall Street following the caravan of ecstatic teenage drivers drunk on a crushing homecoming victory. He came alone, stopping first to drop Tasha off at home to change then doing the same. They would meet up later. She would be his alibi. The party that now engulfed him, this surge of wanton jubilation, would only strengthen it. His stomach vibrated with the music's blaring bass as he pushed through the throbbing crowd. He hated the sensation. Grabbing a beer, he sipped it as he scanned the partygoers' faces. One of his classmates swerved up alongside him, his eyes glassy and bloodshot, his movements sluggish and dumb. Hey, look who's here, man. It's Jer the King. Where's your letter jacket, man? The long-haired stoner's brown eyes struggled to focus on the quarterback, and a stupid grin took up half his face. I left it in the car. Figured it'd be too hot to wear. Jeremy replied, running nimble fingers through his dark hair. Jeremy didn't think it was possible, but the stoner's grin grew larger. Oh yeah, Jer, it's hot in here! This party's poppin'! Looks like it. Hey man, you know if Robin Clark came by yet? Jeremy flashed his winning smile, the smile that had removed panties and poor test scores alike. The stoner twisted his mouth as he concentrated, rolling his eyes up into his skull to help with the difficult task of sifting through his memory. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I saw him outside by the pool, bro. Jeremy clapped a hand on the stoner's shoulder. He'd never seen him before in his life. Thanks, bro, you have a good one. He raised a muscled arm wrapped in the too tight fabric of a black t-shirt, his fist Bald. He roared, 
Go Tigers! A legion of red solo cups and brown beer bottles surfaced above the pulsating sea of partygoers, the cheers of camaraderie crashing against Jeremy's eardrums like a deafening wave. He was the king, and everyone knew it. Everyone complied. Everyone obeyed. Everyone except for her. The road was unsteady, or perhaps it only seemed that way to Jeremy. His comb overhead pounded like a drum, the rhythm of pain just a half beat off from the steady thump of the wiper blades. Somewhere behind his seat, a bottle of dough urine had come undone and did absolutely nothing to aid his pounding head. Thump, thump, thump. Jeremy fumbled for the open fifth of vodka setting shotgun. The weight of the bottle confused him. Inspecting it with foggy eyes, he was shocked to find it half empty. He had no idea how that had happened. Frustrated, Jeremy took a longer swig than he had originally intended. It had been a terrible weekend. Clark was getting married on Monday. It was now Sunday. The event stirred unpleasant memories, but it wasn't the memories that had made the past few days unbearable. On Friday, Clark had driven off a cliff in his old black Mustang. This, combined with the canceled hunting trip bachelor party and Tasha's lawsuit for unpaid alimony, pushed Jeremy into a self-destructive tailspin. The truck hit a bump. Some six millimeters jostled out of their box and onto the floor. Jeremy cursed and glanced back, trying to locate the fallen bullets. His tires hit a slick spot on the road, and in his sluggish stupor, Jeremy dropped the bottle of vodka while attempting to stabilize the truck. His crotch covered in cheap, foul-smelling booze, he slammed his hand back onto the steering wheel and tried to regain control. Left and right, fishtailing down the narrow backwoods junction, the Chevy's tires screeched as they tried to grip the road again. The high beams did little to pierce the rain-soaked slush of sight, so Jeremy's gut fell from under him when he saw the pale girl in the middle of the road. Jeremy pulled hard on the wheel and slammed on the brakes. The truck spun, leaving a curled trail of black rubber on the road behind it. Just when Jeremy thought he had avoided the girl, a sickening reverberated from the truck bed. Jeremy screamed, unable to stop the spin, swerving across the asphalt until finally he skidded to a stop on the shoulder, inches away from a tree. His hands shook. His legs may as well have been a soft jelly nothing. Furious heart pounding, beating against his ribcage like a frightened bird, sickness poured into his gut and the familiar feeling of failure rotted inside of him. With the aged creak of rusty hinges, he pushed the door open, collapsed onto the asphalt, and all that yellow defeat poured out of his mouth in the form of liquor and half-digested Cheetos. Jeremy rolled onto his back. 
He let the rain wash the chunks of cheese puffs off his chin. At least, he thought, he hadn't done that in the truck. The truck! Jeremy rolled onto his big flabby gut and onto his hands and knees. He scrambled to the truck bed, engaging in the almost impossible task of pulling his drunken self up with the back tire. Steadying against the lip of the bed, he passed a sluggish hand over the metal. There was definitely a dent, a huge dent. Jeremy groaned and ran his hand over his face. He tasted blood. Somewhere, Jeremy realized, there must be a pale girl lying broken on the rain-slick asphalt of a backwoods junction, blood staining her thin white nightgown. As Jeremy crossed the living room, he made sure to accept as many fist bumps and congratulatory bro hugs as possible. He wanted everyone to see him. Exiting through the sliding door and into the cool, crisp air of Michigan autumn, he searched the backyard, passing by tall, yellow tongues dancing in the fire pit. Girls approached, and Jeremy made passing small talk and smiled. So many smiles. His cheeks ached. At last, he spotted Robin Clark under the gazebo. They sipped beer amongst a plethora of giggling pretty girls. Even from Jeremy's distance, it was plain from the soft glances and casual laughter that they could take any of them. He almost felt bad that he had to pull them away. Spreading another smile across his face... Jeremy approached the group. What's up, ladies? You are so hot out there, Jer. You guys kick their asses. Jeremy shrugged. What can I say? Me and my boys are the best. You ladies don't mind if I take them for a bit, do you? He nodded to his two men, their faces cast with disappointment. Their thunder stolen, they resigned themselves to their beers. Jeremy Higgins... Star quarterback was the center of the universe here. They could have the leftovers. The posse of pretty girls dispersed, waving cute little goodbyes to Jeremy before dissolving into the pulsating throng. Rob and Clark groaned. Rob took a resentful swig of his beer, his plump lips pulled into a grimace. Man, why you gotta play us like that, bro? You got access to all the pussy in the goddamn world and you come mess with my game. Clark scoffed. Yo game, yo, what you talking about bro? Give me ten minutes and I would have had all them girls with me. Bro, keep dreaming. Boys, focus. There's work we have to do. Clark scratched the back of his head. Yeah, Jer... I wanted to talk to you about that. You pussing out? Clark raised his hands in front of him. Nah, bro, nah, nothing like that. Then spit it out, Garson. Rob puffed out his lips despairingly. Sounds like our boy here is having himself a crisis of conscience. 
Shut the hell up, man. I just... <sighs> Why we gotta do it, Jer? Gee, nothing. Jeremy crossed his tree trunk arms across his barrel chest. I think you may be right, Rob. Man, Jer, don't do me like that. You in or you a bitch? Rob took another swig of his beer. Clark sighed, eyes closed, brow raised. He had no choice. Fine, let's get this done with. At 45 years of age, Jeremy was positive that he was too old to hunt for dead girls in the pouring rain. If anyone was wandering around in the woods at two in the morning with nothing but their pajamas, they couldn't have anyone who cared about them. Anyway, three-fourths of a vodka fifth would put him above the legal limit and he had enough shit on his plate. He staggered back into his old blue Chevy, crawled in, and burned rubber. His headache worsened, and despite puking up most of it, the alcohol sloshing in his stomach had soured. He felt awful. Doe urine had never smelled so bad. The rhythm of the windshield wipers made him anxious, so Jeremy turned on the radio and missed three times before he managed to hit the seek button. His eyes fluttered from the road to the radio display as he watched the green numbers scramble. Distorted screaming, a woman and a baby yawned through the cab like ghostly fingers reaching out for his ankles, his arms, anything and all of him. A thought tore through Jeremy. The mother and child wanted someone else to scream too. The radio returned to abrupt silence. The little green numbers scrambled again, stopping on a new station. Confess! Confess! Come forth and testify and confess! Fear no evil and fear no retribution, because God is here and waiting and ready to hear you apologize. And that's all you gotta do. That's all you gotta do is apologize. The preacher cut out, the radio searched for a new station, and Jeremy slammed his open palm against the radio to turn it off. His heart still raced in his chest. Panic made everything clearer. Soon, he was upon the house. The Chevy's headlights illuminated a gravel driveway that ended in a little vacation home he'd inherited from his father. The neglected cottage wept at the rotting wooden shutters. The peeling red paint flaked like old scabs. Jeremy staggered out of the truck, falling against it as he closed the door. A gust of wind picked up, scattering the rain and tearing one of the shutters from its rusted hinge. At the last second, Jeremy dodged. The old shutter splintered against the truck. His legs were useless again. Jeremy collapsed, rolling onto his torso before vomiting once more. Jeremy Higgins rolled onto his back and wondered how a king could become a pauper. 
The three football stars journeyed over the blistered road in Clark's sleek black Mustang. Jeremy studied the moon reflected in the shiny hood. It had watched their game, seen them win 35 to 14. It hung in the stoic ink of the sky, unimpressed by the deeds which made them famous for the evening. Rob reached into the inner pocket of his letter jacket, pulling out a crumpled pack of cools. As he jostled one of the cigarettes out of the pack, Clark cast a quick glance back at the thing with unconcealed distaste. Bro, those things are nasty. So is your defensive game tonight. Rob lifted himself off the seat to get better access to his pocket and pulled out a cheap gas station Zippo knockoff. The casing was black with a pot leaf sticker peeling off the front. He tried lighting it, but only a few measly sparks managed to dance about the frayed, charred wick. Clark shook his head. It's a sign. Yes, I need to shut your ass up. Impatient, Jeremy snarled. Both of you, shut up. Clark, take a left up here. Yo, you know, for hating Lilith so much, you know a lot about her. Jeremy turned a cold glare onto his linebacker, and Clark obeyed, eyes darting away, lips pressed together, turning to the window. Cramped in the back, the sound of Rob's lighter resumed. A block down the road, Clark asked, Where to now? Stay in the right lane. You'll see a plaza up ahead. Rob was still fumbling with the lighter. The one with the Denny's? Jeremy's mouth curled into the first genuine smile of the evening. That's where we're headed. Ahead, the yellow and red emblem of Denny's loomed into view. Clark began his sentence slowly, choosing his words carefully. So, so when we get there, what are we going to do? What do we do? What, what's the plan, bro? The plan? Yeah, chair, the plan. How, what are we going to do? Like a stone, Jeremy replied. We're going to make her pay. The smell of smoke drifted through the car as Rob finally lit his cigarette. Jeremy pulled himself up to his feet, feeling better but more ashamed as the rain rinsed him of his sick. The world wouldn't stop swirling, and as soon as he stood straight, he stumbled backwards, banging his head against the edge of the truck bed. He collapsed again. On the other side of the truck, bloodless white feet pressed against the gravel. The girl. That's impossible, thought Jeremy as he scrambled to his feet. He turned and met the girl's face just inches from his own. With a scream, he made to push her away, but his hands only met smoke. Jeremy ran for the cottage, scattering gravel everywhere. The girl waited for him at the doorstep, her white arms outstretched as if beckoning. From puckered wounds slashed across her narrow wrist, 
Blood gushed black, mixed with the storm, and washed away like thin mud. I'm so cold, Jeremy. He froze. What, what should he do? Could, could he get back to the truck in time? Could he push through her into the cottage? He promised to himself that he would never drink that much ever again. He rubbed his temples, swaying in the downpour, trying to convince himself that he just needed to go a little further, and he would find peace in his bed. When he raised his head, the doorway was empty. Within it stood no body. Jeremy heaved a sigh, surprised that it caught a little. His throat constricted and he admonished himself for the weakness. With only the truck's headlights to guide him, he staggered toward the derelict cabin. He pulled the keys from his pocket and fumbled for the red one. The red one would open the cabin door. Thinking he saw movement, he peered into the window beside the entrance. It it was too dark to see inside, but the window's surface was bright and reflective under the high beam's glare. Jeremy saw himself there, saw his prickly, unshaved face like a budding cactus, the dark bags drooping beneath his bloodshot eyes, the wet, horseshoe-shaped ring of thin hair. His old letter jacket didn't fit around the sagging paunch with its jagged stretch marks and the blue varicose cracks. Where had he gone wrong? The man in the window could hardly even be the king's shadow, much less the star quarterback, the magical lover, the envy of all men. What Jeremy Higgins saw was an empty sack of flesh, its life drained of anything resembling glory. A trembling gasp escaped. He frowned and could hold it in no longer. He stood in the rain, staring at regret, and sobbed bitterly through clenched teeth. By now, he'd forgotten the bundle of keys in his hands, and they slipped from his palms and landed on the concrete stoop with a fuzzy, metallic crash. It snapped him out of his reverie. Massaging the bridge of his nose, he bit his lip, got himself together, and then bent for the keys. Out of the little pile on the stoop, the red key poked out of the top like a conqueror's flag. Jeremy grabbed it and straightened up. A patch of fog smeared across the bottom pane of the window. In it was scrawled a single word. Cold. He furrowed his brow and wiped at the misted patch. The word remained. The fog was on the other side of the window. Jeremy jammed the red key into the lock, but before he could turn it, it clicked, and the door swung inward, exposing the shadowy innards of the silent little cottage. Panic 
thrashed deep inside his lizard brain, begging him not to enter. A second wind wiped out his exhaustion and his balls felt like they curled back into his body. Confusion turned to anxiety blended into fear. Who's in there? I'll kill you, motherfucker! The threat was sloppy. He prayed the intruder was just some teenager. Jeremy... He whirled around, the night's stoic ink framing the truck. The headlights flickered, and startled, he stepped backward onto the slick stoop. He barked, cussing, and it echoed in the rainy nothing as he plummeted again. White pain erupted around his shoulders, then his knees. The fall rolled him into the cabin and a few feet from the edge of the open door. Stunned and coughing, he lay on his back and watched shadows engulf the opposite wall as the door closed. Jeremy was excommunicated from the light. Darkness embraced him with hollow arms. Jeremy. It was only a whisper, a muted hush, but so close that he felt her breath. His every muscle clenched. As he quaked in the darkness, he wondered how long he had to lay silent until whatever it was in the cottage lost interest in washed-up Jeremy Higgins. Jeremy Jeremy closed his eyes, combating the darkness with darkness. The rain danced on the roof, crackling. He lost himself in the static, convincing himself that this was all a dream. Clark was still alive. No pale dead girls ever crossed his path, and he was still the king. Denny's was busy. So Clark's Mustang blended inconspicuously in the tiny packed lot. The streetlight in the middle had burned out months ago, so the big yellow sign served as the only illumination. They parked close to the front, hidden behind a baby blue F-150 and a tan Windstar. Rob took another long drag of his cool. We doing this in the parking lot, Jer? Jeremy shook his head, eyes fixed on the gap between the truck and the minivan. He focused, face crumpled with imagination and spite, his mouth taut. The corners pulled back in a vile frown. No, back alley, next to the dumpsters, next to the trash. Yo, how are we going to get her there, bro? Seriously, Jer, I don't think you thought about this at all. Clark motioned over the steering wheel at the restaurant. That diner's full. That's like 70 people, bro. And there's big-ass windows up on the front. An alibi don't mean shit if 70 people see us here, Jer. She'll exit out the side, the employee entrance. Then why are we watching the front? Because the night manager has register duty on Fridays, and she'll clock out with her before leaving. We'll see her go to the manager, and then she'll turn in her apron and leave through the side. Rob seemed to understand. 
carrying the trash, taking it to the dumpsters. Clark bit his lip, holding his tongue for fear of reprimand. He shot a quick, fleeting glance at Jeremy. Madness creased the king's face, his eyes burning black with obsession. Little Lilith Casey, quiet, dark-haired Lilith Casey, with the somber eyes and alabaster skin, had never done anything to Jeremy. But then, Clark thought, maybe that was exactly the point. The rain seemed to soften, or perhaps Jeremy simply didn't notice it anymore. Perhaps the static tattoo of Heaven's Tears simply blended with the terror ringing in Jeremy's head, fusing into a silence of noise. He opened his eyes. A pale glow illuminated the cottage. At his feet stood the door. Jeremy's gut told him it was futile. The door would not open. It would never open again. Not for him, anyways. It's been so long that I found you, Jeremy. The light matched the voice the way a face might. I found you. I found Clark. And I found Robert. It took a few moments, but Jeremy dredged an ugly memory from his liquor-slickened mind and finally recognized the voice. In response, the glow flickered. Do you remember, Jeremy? Do you remember me at all? Jeremy closed his eyes again and curled into a ball. He would wake up any second now. Dream, dream, dream. I will never forget you. You changed my life. Jeremy whimpered. Soon, the whimper grew into a sob. Look at me, Jeremy. No. No, I don't want to. Look at me. No. Look at me. The air turned electric. Jeremy feared for what she might do if he did not obey. He turned his gaze upon the light. The white nightgown, so wet that it was transparent, clung to glowing moonlight alabaster flesh. Little Lilith Casey stood in the center of the room, her dead black eyes glaring through clumping strands of soaked hair. She raised her palms to Jeremy, held them aloft to show the shredded, bleeding wounds. The stream of blood pulsated with the rhythm of her heart and with every beat her skin seemed to grow even whiter and whiter. I'm so cold. He opened his mouth to scream, but she'd stolen his voice. He tried to stand, but no limb would move. He was petrified with fear, paralyzed by Lilith Casey. 
Ever since that night, I've been so cold. Her obsidian eyes flinched with hateful memory, and a dark tear raced down one cheek, and then the other, until twin black-red streams met at her chin. I touch my cheeks, and they're like ice. I touch my legs, and they're like ice. Lilith's face flickered, her expression twisted like hateful shrapnel, and she screamed, You made me so cold, Jeremy! She searched his face for something, her shoulders heaving with quickened, angry breaths. She brought her hands to her stomach and whimpered. Her wrists smeared blood into the nightgown. And he's cold, too. Adrenaline brought panicked strength to Jeremy. He flailed onto his knees, pushed up to stand, and then Lilith's fingers, her tiny little fingers, wrapped around his throat, gripping, squeezing, crushing. He struggled as his blood froze in his veins, his sight fading to black. Lilith's mouth curled like burning paper. Long live the king. When she came out of the restaurant, they were waiting for her. It was a flurry of arms and muffled shrieks. For the three of them, it seemed to go by quickly. But for Lilith, time stretched into an infinite gaping void. Seconds were centuries. Centuries were pain. Jeremy threw her to the ground, and Rob mounted her back, holding a firm hand over her mouth. He squeezed her torso with his thighs, and she wriggled, trying to escape. Jeremy was unbuckling his belt. Lilith screamed at the clattering snicker of the metal buckle, but thunder boomed overhead, drowning her cry. Clark stood immobile, hands to his face. He said nothing. He did nothing. Jeremy shot a murderous look at Clark. Clark, take off her pants! He approached Lilith's backside, taking hold of her pant waist with one hand and unbuttoning them with the other. Pussy. He jerked down the slacks, revealing Lilith's striped panties. Black stripe, white stripe, black stripe, white stripe. Jeremy took out a pocket knife and cut the elastic band, then ripped apart the cloth. He dropped his pants. Lilith screamed into Rob's palm, and rain fell. Clark began to cry, but he dared not make a sound. Jeremy sighed through gritted teeth. Rob laughed. Lilith sobbed. Thunder rolled over them again, and the drizzle became a torrent. A low groan escaped Jeremy's throat as he finished 
pulled out and stood up. He pulled up his pants and buckled his belt. Rob released the sobbing, wet, little Lilith Casey. <laughs> Let's go. Jeremy grabbed her by the hair and pulled it close to his face. Go kill yourself, you worthless little whore. Lightning flashed as he threw Lilith to the asphalt, where she buried her face in a puddle of rain and blood. Jeremy and Rob left the alley with a high five, but Clark stayed, eyes squeezed shut, hand clamped over his mouth, listening to the roll of the thunder and the sound of rain and tears. He pried his eyes open and looked down at the pale girl with the long black hair, crumpled, sobbing, incoherent, and quiet. Always quiet, little Lilith Casey. Clark took off his letter jacket and draped it over the broken girl. Then he made his way back to the Mustang, where his two best friends waited. Thank you for sharing my nightmares and helping me carry the grief. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider rating the show. Share your favorite story with a friend or family member. It goes a long way. If you'd like to go the extra mile, you can find me on Patreon, where you'll get early access to episodes and behind-the-scene insights into each story. To hear more stories, find Nightmares and Grief on YouTube. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram or at nightmaresandgrief.com. Thanks again for spending this time with me. Peace.